Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Keeping It Real, your IGM Movies podcast. This is Moro, and with me is the one and only Chris Carl. Flexing. It's just us two today. Uh, Stax has jury duty. Yep. Poor guy. <laughs> that is... That is the wrong card to pull. Poor chap. <laughs> That's so, not good. So, yeah. So, uh, in order not to go another, like, four months without podcasting, of course, I'm exaggerating, but we, we opted to go solo. Uh, so, we don't have a lot of, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time today, so we're just going to get right into it and go over some of the bigger, we'll go the box office numbers, some of the big, big news that broke, and I do have a, a few reader emails that I want to get through, so. Yeah, the uh, the box office, boy, oh boy, were we wrong. I was the least wrong, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll take that glory, what little glory there is in it, but we were like, I, I had Glee at six times the amount it actually made. I think yeah. Glee was a huge disappointment this weekend. Well, we all, yeah, we all believed in the power of Glee, right? I mean, I remember you mocked me for putting apes in second place, yeah, let alone I, it coming in first. I like to mock people, apparently. But, you know, the thing is, is it, I don't know if it was really a soft box office. It was more of a spread-out box office. You yeah. Know? Um, so what we have is Rise of Planet of the Apes at uh, about $28 million, The Help at $26 million, Final Destination 5 at $18 million. Then we got Smurfs holding at 4 at $13 million, and then 30 minutes or less um, at $13 million as well. So... Um, you know, Glee obviously Glee made five point six, which is way down there. Yeah, um, we had Glee. I had it at thirty two. Eric had it at forty five, and Stax had it at fifty. Um, obviously, once again, the curse of the the movies we don't understand. Yeah, yeah, indeed, <laughs> strikes. Indeed. But it's just bizarre because it didn't even. Uh, I remember in our we we you know we have a regular Monday meeting here at IGN, and, and we talk about the week. And I remember in that meeting asking Jim like. Was Glee a limited release? Did it get a you know a small number of theaters? He was like, no, man, it got a wide release. It so. got, uh, well, it didn't get as wide a release as something like Apes, which is on thirty almost thirty seven hundred screens. But Glee's on two thousand screens. Yeah. There's no excuse for those numbers, especially when it's in three D. Yeah. So that is just a that is just a ball drop. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, but the help, you know, I had it in uh, I had it in second place with twenty eight million, it made about twenty six, and then um, I had Apes at twenty two. You had it higher at thirty. 38. So the actual apes number was about 28. So we were wrong all over the place. And then we all, you know, I think Jim nailed it with 30 minutes or less at about 13 million. Yeah. Um, we were all kind of in that ballpark. But uh, but yeah, and then Final Destination is another story that is interesting. Final Destination only made 18 million. I had it at 22. You guys had it at 25 and 29. But um, yeah, that underperformed as well. Um, and that was also in 3D. So, you know, I'm seeing a little 3D apathy out of people. Hmm. Um, and then also just, uh, you know, a really good job from The Help this weekend and yeah. a really, really good job from uh, Apes Holding Strong. And it's interesting because Final Destination in 3D, that's a movie that's made for 3D, uh, you know, because of, the, because of the crazy kills. And I'm sure I, – I didn't get the chance to see the movie, but I'm sure that the kills fully took advantage of the 3D footage there uh, or the 3D um, – uh, cameras and whatnot, whereas something like Conan, for example, that's where I'm seeing the 3D apathy. You know, there was no real need for that movie to be in 3D. It was it it wasn't like a Final Destination where it had the stuff like the swords popping out at you, but it also wasn't like an Avatar where you had this sense of depth of field right. and whatnot. It just was there. It would have been perfectly suitable as a 2D movie. Yeah, I felt the same way about both Marvel movies that were released in 3D this summer, um, both uh, Captain America and Thor. I was kind of like, 
neither of these things needed 3D to tell the story, and I think that should be a bigger component of the reason for 3D. Like, right. if, you, if, if you're actually going to envelop people in a world, and I know we always make fun of me for loving Avatar, <laughs> but it really did, like, give you something new that right, you hadn't right. experienced in a movie theater before. But Captain America and Thor didn't. It felt very, like, diorama cut out style of 3D. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I was even talking to my parents about it yesterday and I was, they were like, oh, we finally saw Captain America. And I was like, cool. And they're like, yeah, didn't need to be in 3D. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. Even Transformers uh, yeah. didn't need to be in 3D. I mean, I didn't really get that sense. I thought I was going to see like Decepticons flying at me or giant robot arms flying. And there was none of that really in the film. So. It'll be interesting to see when the curtain falls on 3D in this round, you know, yeah. if, if that even happens or if it like, I mean, I, I feel like now the exhibitors don't want it necessarily to go away because mm. they just invested in all this 3D <laughs> technology to put into their theater. So, yeah. you know, I, you kind of have to maintain a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's get into some of the news from this week. Um, and what I want to start with first is um, some of these trailers that have come out. Um, today, we saw the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance trailer. Um, yesterday we saw, um, the Underworld 4 trailer. I think, uh, the day before that we saw Red Tails, which is uh, George Lucas's kind of producing feature after the, the Star Wars, uh, prequel trilogy. So a lot of stuff kind of coming out and hitting, hitting, uh, the airwaves. What do you think? I know you in particular like the Ghost Rider trailer. Right? Yeah, you know, I hated Ghost Rider. I can't even tell you how much I hated that movie. It was so bad. Like, one of the worst, if not the worst, superhero adaptations that's made it to the screen. Um, and uh, it, it just, you know, Nicolas Cage was ridiculous. The CG looked bad. Mm. You know, everything about it was bad. Um, but this trailer has me actually excited. <laughs> and I would, I would have to say that if this movie comes out and actually kicks ass, it's going to be the biggest turnaround of a franchise I've ever yeah, seen, like history. from first movie to second movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. It's the crank guys who are doing it. So yeah, it's got a little bit. Taylor, yeah. And, you know, everybody's talking about the him pissing fire at the end of that trailer, <laughs> which is um, admittedly at first I thought he just had some kind of flamethrower and he was like hosing it down. And I'm right. like, I think. I think he has actually pissing fire. <laughs> and you know what? Hell yeah. Because, yeah. I don't know, it's just badass. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, uh, their take on the character, um, it, and it's the little things, right? But it, it kind of works on screen. It makes sense. So, for example, like when when Nick Cage is the ghost rider, you notice that his leather jacket is like bubbling and kind of melting from the yeah. heat. Uh, the flaming skull isn't white it's actually black it's charred you know it's yeah. burnt you know it so visually it looks really really cool um and then he's much more uh um his powers i think they're playing with with what his powers are going beyond like what the comic book uh version of of his abilities are and so he's like there's a scene where he like flicks the chain around a dude and wraps it around and it like totally disintegrates him. It, like, burns yeah. him down. That and... chain looks badass. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's like, if that movie were coming out this summer, it would be, like, a shoe-in for, like, most badass weapon in our summer movie awards, you know? Like, yeah. That's how cool it looks just from the trailer. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I agree with you. I'm kind of psyched that uh, Neveldine and Taylor are doing this because I personally love their kind of uh, punk rock style of filmmaking. However, 
on the the flip side of that, yeah, they they really are great at on screen intensity and action, but they don't really make the best movies in the world. Yeah, so, it's not going to be character driven, yeah. and it's not going to be cerebral. And I think that's okay for a character like Ghost Rider. I, I, I feel like Ghost Rider is kind of a throwaway character in the Marvel universe, and. Of, of of anyone that you could mess with a lot, you know, he's mm-hmm. a character that I feel like you could kind of take and explore and and make maybe a little bit cornier because yeah. it, it is just a you know it's like a flaming skull on a motorcycle yeah, basically. Yeah. So um, I'm excited about it. I do. I think it's going to be a perfect movie. No, but it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think they need to keep Nicolas Cage um, at a reasonable level, though. Yeah. Well, that you know, and he's not. It's interesting, actually, you point that out. He he's not in the trailer all that much. Right. The Ghost Riders in the trailer a lot. Yeah. So they're not hiding or shying away from from uh, the basically all CG character. Uh, Nick Cage though, they're kind of shying away from a little bit. Well, his star has fallen a little bit. To yeah. be honest, I mean, he he had financial troubles. He took a bunch of movies that made him money, but you know, didn't, weren't box, box office successes. And whether or not you think his performances in those movies were good, the movies themselves were critically panned so um yeah he's he's got to be a little bit on the comeback trail now yeah yeah now uh for underworld 4 um it's an interesting premise you know the the movie set like 12 years uh into the future right. so basically uh um uh selena character is i think i think on ice she's been like frozen much uh, like jason x yeah she's been captured by like what i think appears to be like the government or some secret agency uh she breaks free 12 years into the future it's kind of this world she doesn't she doesn't quite um recognize and basically the i don't know or understand yeah exactly and basically the the premise is that the world has now found out about werewolves and vampires and so in the first three movies, what was all about the vampires and werewolves at war. This movie is about us humans at war with the vampires and werewolves trying to wipe them all out. And then, you know, again, the big kind of through line in the, in the um, trailer, at least that I got was that she's looking for Michael because he's not in, he's nowhere to be seen in the, in, in the trailer. So, uh, I don't know, dude. Do we need another Underworld movie? Yeah, I know. I'm going to speak for Stax here because uh, he mentioned this to me yesterday. He's like, Underworld's another movie that I don't need another sequel to. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't need to hear more about the story. It's like they're serviceable movies. They're mm-hmm. fine. They're mm-hmm. they're just kind of puffs of air. But, you know, do we need one? Probably not. You know, will people go to see it? Probably some people, yeah. you know. But I think it's like um, – it, it's kind of what we're seeing with like Final Destination too, like diminishing returns yeah, you know yeah. you're not gonna i don't know that you're gonna keep drawing a bigger audience you're gonna keep grinding that series until you can't make another one right well the difference between this series though and a final destination is that it can't get cheaper to make uh, each new movie because they still have um kate beckinsale in them yeah. who's got to draw a salary len weisman is attached as a producer he's not directing these but he's got to draw a salary whereas final destination you just get a whole cast of nobodies kill them uh, off and kill them off you know so and by the way launch none of their careers exactly <laughs> exactly i think the biggest name in, the, in well uh the guy who played uh, candy man right is the biggest name yeah, tony todd, tony todd one, yeah. right and uh you know he's in all of them, obviously, but but yeah, I don't know. I agree, and especially with the third Underworld film, which was a prequel, and it didn't have 
um, you know, any of the main cast and in Rona it. And Mitra in it. Yeah, and yeah. Trying to make it. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. That almost was like a direct-to-DVD sequel to me. That movie should have been called Doomsday 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. Um, we'll stay on the video tip uh, for a second, though. and and But we'll get into spoiler videos here. It's crazy. Uh, this week and also, you know, uh, last week and the week before, the spy photos... And spy videos from the sets of Dark Knight Rises, uh, Man of Steel, and now Avengers. We've got a story up today about the Avengers. It's it's insane. It's like security doesn't exist in these films. It's yeah, crazy. it's really weird. And in uh, almost in some cases, especially in Dark Knight Rises, it seems like it's almost intentional. Like there are ways of closing your set. You know, even. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't remember who made the comment on Powers. They said, you know, it was easy enough. You just throw up some tarps and have some security. Mm-hmm. And these budgets are huge anyway. Why can't you hire a security force when you're on the out in the open? Right. Um, I mean, it's it's really, really, really heavy spoilers coming out of these things. Yeah. You know? I mean, I guess I guess in some cases they really aren't because all it is is teasing. Um, or not teasing, but showcasing like costumes and stuff, which they're sure. going to reveal before the movie anyway. Um, sure. r- right now we're getting them not in their greatest light, but you remember this also happened with Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, it's just becoming, you know, what's happening now with movies, yeah. and there are a lot more savvy people. Um, there's a lot more people with Facebook and Twitter and personal accounts, and the world's connected. Yeah. So I feel like filmmaking is becoming of the people, kind of like news is becoming of the people. Yeah, but. In the case of the Avengers, um, and I'm going to go, I'm going to get into some spoiler territory here. It's all speculation. We don't know any of this for sure, but I'm just going to speculate on something. If you don't want to hear about it, give me two minutes, tune out, and then tune back in. Um, okay, you've been warned. So in the the stuff that we put up today, it was a kick-ass little sequence of um, Thor, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, and Chris Evans as Cap. And they're like back to back fighting together, you know, but they're fighting a bunch of dudes in mocap suits Mm -hmm. and it just looks, I don't know. And again, it's my mind working, but it's going back to that whole concept that we heard before of like the scrolls being involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and they're, they're in a city street, like in a, you know, main, like a New York street or something. It looks like all trash and the cars are trash and there's rubble everywhere. So yeah, I mean, you know. Could be leading, uh, lending credence to the whole Loki teams up with the scrolls and, and there's an invasion kind of thing. I think, you know, in order to assemble the Avengers, you're going to have to have a, a, a really big threat. And mm. we've been saying this all along. So it stands to reason that it's going to be a bunch of aliens or some force that isn't of the Earth necessarily. Mm. I don't think there's going to be some, some dude chilling on Earth like, oh. Well, I guess I'm going to start some uh, start some shit now. You know, like I think it's got to be some kind of external attack that unites these heroes and and, yeah. and they take they take them on. Um, and also, I think you know the movies Thor and, and Captain America were setting up a lot of elements, um, setting up a sort of like Thor set up the space mysticism, right, if you sure, will, sure. which would allow for some of that. And I think Captain America, well, I don't know what that set up in terms of Avengers, really, except for Cap's character. Well, the, and the Cosmic Cube, you know, I mean, oh, it's yeah, set the Cosmic up, Cube. That, yeah. that, that ties into the whole space thing. But I don't know, man, that to me, I don't know. I think I say this pretty much with every Marvel movie and I'm pleasantly surprised, like, cause they managed to pull it off. It's like, 
that seems so far removed from the sense of reality or call it a hyper reality that they try to establish in their films. I mean, yes, we have to believe that Robert Downey Jr. can get into a suit and fly and blah, blah, blah. But at least it's kind of done within the rules of a universe that we know exists, you know, so we buy into that. Aliens, on the other hand, like a full-blown alien invasion in that world seems a little much – seems like a a forced fit to me. But, hey, I could be pleasantly surprised. I think Thor opened us up to buying it. You know, Mm. Thor was traveling interdimensionally. Mm -hmm. So maybe they won't make them space aliens. They'll make them interdimensional beings or something like that. Well, that worked in Indy. (laughs) 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 Ooh. So, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, there's no containing my enthusiasm for Avengers movie. I think it's going to be righteous. On the other hand, like, with everything that I see more about Dark Knight Rises, I lose that much more sort of yeah. interest in it. I will definitely see it, but now I'm kind of just like, oh, I'm so sick of the process of hearing about this. Yeah, Which exactly. I mentioned probably in every single podcast. Yeah. And then, you know, Man of Steel, Superman, um, you know, the shots we've seen there haven't been any kind of spoiler stuff. I mean, it's just, it's like there was a shot of like the crater in the cornfield. I mean, stuff we've seen, there's a yeah. shot of a truck that says Smallville Sentinel on it. So we know it's in Smallville, but uh, a couple days ago, the studio Warner brothers released the official synopsis. So it pretty much backs up what we had thought the film was going to be about. I mean, we knew that for example, the character of Zod was, you know, an actor was cast to play, uh, to play Zod in the film. Right. So, um, we knew he was going to be in this movie. And while the synopsis doesn't mention Zod, it does talk about kind of a, it's going to be a younger Superman who's trying to find his way and kind of struggle between being Clark Kent and Superman when all of a sudden something big happens and he has to make the decision to either kind of help us and fight it or join it and conquer us. It's got to be Zod, right? Yeah, yeah. So. And you know, it's it is us versus them at that point. Yeah, you're, you're definitely choosing a side if you choose the side of uh, you, you know you're you're actually choosing humanity over your home world. If yeah, you're, if you're siding with uh, us versus Zod, so yeah. it's an interesting thing. I mean, um, it's a Zack Snyder movie, so it's not going to have. I don't think it's going to have the hugest emotional core to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think probably the, the the movie of his that resonated the most from an emotion standpoint is um, Dawn of the Dead. Right. You know, you cared about those characters by the time they died. And to some to l- some lesser extent, Watchmen, I don't know how much of that was him and how much of that is the original story. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like things like 300 and definitely Sucker Punch d- don't show that he's, like, that interested in developing yeah. super, like, emotional characters. But then again, it's a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds to me it's gonna, uh, that it's going to be essentially Superman 2 if Superman 2 were the first Superman movie. If you yeah. reverse the order of them, you know. Which is so. cool. I mean, if they can pull it off. And uh, But, you, you know, I have to say this now. But I've said it many, many times. We need a new villain the next time out. If Superman is going to continue, I need Superman to fight something more. You know? Yeah, yeah. More badass. Yeah, I agree. He's Superman. Doomsday, dude. Yeah, get Doomsday. Doomsday. Or something. Yeah. Dark or, side, you know whatever. what? Doomsday could be... The um, that could be the Justice League movie right there because you know how basically Doomsday. I don't know if you followed it in the comics. It was the whole death of Superman run, but he comes down and the Justice League does try to stop him, and he he basically kicks the crap out of all of them, 
and and leaves Superman as the only man standing who has to take him down, and then he dies in the process. That'd be a great Justice League. Movie well, let's right talk there. about the Justice League for a second. You got Batman, right. no superpowers. He's not going to do anything against Doomsday. But Sorry, everybody genius. who's completely delusional about Batman. You got <laughs> Superman who does square off well against him. Right. Wonder Woman Squares should be okay well. in a fight. Green Flash, Lantern. I don't know if Flash brings a ton to that fight, you know? Green Lantern, okay, he definitely has some weapons at his disposal. Um, and then, you know, whoever else they would put in that movie. John John, I would think they would, Hunter, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they would probably put the people I just mentioned in the movie and then nobody right. else. But I, I think we're honest with ourselves that Justice League movie has been um, really made unlikely by the failure of Green Lantern. Um, and even a, a huge success on Superman's part, I don't think it's going to raise the profile of JLA. Yeah. I think it's only going to raise the profile of Superman, Superman. as a continuing yeah. franchise. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's move to another uh, fr- franchise that's pretty popular here at IGN, and that is Resident, Resident Evil. Evil. Uh, specifically, Resident Evil Retribution 3D, which is going to be the fifth uh, film in the franchise. Uh, it's Mila Jovovich is returning uh, as Alice, and Paul W. S. Anderson is returning to direct. Uh, but the news that broke today is that, um, well, so there were some rumblings that basically they were going to recast uh, the character of Jill Valentine, who was played by Sienna Guillory, mm-hmm. uh, in the second film. And then, again, spoiler alert: if you guys haven't seen the last movie. Uh, the isn't like the la- it's the last shot of the film. It's like Al- Allison Stand Jill up. appears, yeah, and it's a standoff between Alice and, and Jill, and it kind of and it ends, you know, on that note. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> we got a Mexican standoff, but I don't see no Mexican. <laughs> exactly. So the rumbling was that uh, they were going to recast uh, the character, get a new actress to play her, but what broke today is that no, that's not act- that's not actually the case. They're actually going to be bringing in a, a new character altogether, uh, and that's the character of uh, Ada Wong, who showed up in Resident Evil 2. Now, Chris, you are more of the Resident Evil game expert than I am here, so um, any kind of word on that, or how does, I that, mean, I, yeah, how does it, that sound? I don't... I don't. You know, I actually Resident Evil Two, which is where she's from, is the one Resident Evil game I haven't actually played, which <laughs> which is terrible because I don't have a lot of knowledge about um, her. But there's also some rumors that uh, they're thinking about Leon Kennedy, right? Which would be really big yeah. if, if he shows up in this movie. And you know, honestly, um, I just you know I don't I don't know what is holding them back from that. Well, okay, so in the in the it's Leon Kennedy and, and Barry Burton, or I guess is another character they're thinking uh-huh. of bringing in. I always thought that um uh Claire's Redfield's brother, what's his name? Chris. Chris Redfield was the, like a, the big, oh, we want Chris in the movie, but Leon is a more popular I, character I, than I him. think well, Leon's a very divisive character for certain fans of the franchise, but people have been clamoring for him to show up forever. Mm. So, I mean, I think if he made an appearance in the series, you know, legit like screen time uh it would be cool um i i i think a lot of real game fans would prefer that they just reboot this franchise right, and treat and do these, it right and yeah. treat these characters like they're treated in the game because i think 
um, for some people, with every new character that they bring on um, into this like pseudo Resident Evil universe that Paul Dewey Sanderson kind of created, corrupts it. Yeah, more it kind of corrupts yeah. it. It kind of makes it worse. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't. Um, you know, I, I think people might be stoked to see what happens there, but at the same time, like big time Resident Evil fans might be like, oh, why do they got to ruin Leon? Yeah. I personally think Leon ruins himself in the games. Like, I, <laughs> he's not like my favorite character, but. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever. He's fine. The other, the other little kind of third little piece of the story is that, um, you know, Mila Jovovich is like super tweet happy. I mean, she, yeah. she's got to be the studio's worst nightmare. Like she's just tweeting stuff left and right about the film. And so she had tweeted that they were. It's because she's married to a fanboy. Exactly. And, <laughs> and she truly is is a fan, she's girl, a fan girl. You know. Yeah. Um, but she was saying that um, shooting begins in late September, and they're starting with a massive action sequence that they're going to shoot um, in Red Square in Moscow. And now, of course, that's created some kind of controversy because, you know, fans were all under the assumption that the film was going to be set in Tokyo. So, I mean, it, it's become this, like, more international thing now. Like, yeah. they've gone – they went a bunch of places in the last movie, and so, like, I don't, I don't see it being, like – so terrible if they, you know, go over to Russia for a little bit. I yeah. don't think that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, they've set, definitely set the precedent that they can they can hop around. So, if anything, that's maybe what's happening. Um, last but not least, in terms of the news item tip, um, that's what I was looking for. The big news, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the big news that came out yesterday, and that's that Ridley Scott is officially coming back um, to work on a, another Blade Runner film. I'm not going to call it Blade Runner 2 because there's no confirmation if it's a sequel, if it's a prequel, if it's a re. Well, I don't. Well, no, there's no confirmation if it's a reboot. I think the thinking is that it's going to take place within the Blade Runner universe that he established, but be its own, um, its own brand new film within this world. Wow. Yeah. How. Much after a movie, can you make another movie yeah. and 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 have it resonate? You know, I mean, I think everybody is well aware of Blade Runner. We gave it the top sci-fi, science fiction movie of all time in our top twenty-five. Um, and I mean, I, I think for me, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it could be a cool thing, mm-hmm. but I really, really want to know. I'm excited to learn what the actual treatment of this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because I don't know if I said it in this. In the podcast last week, or if I just was telling uh, telling you guys like at lunch one day or something, but it, to me it's funny because uh, to me the worlds of Alien and Blade Runner are the same. It's the same universe to me. You know what I mean? So you've got like Wailing Utani, this big corporation. It exists in that kind of dreamscape world that is now Earth in Blade Runner. You right. know what I mean? So I can see those movies kind of fitting together in a you know what also is in there is purely because of James Cameron is Terminator ties into Alien is Aliens more um, like the ships are the same. Oh yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. it it looks of the same world. Yeah. And I mean I'm sure it's somewhat his directorial style, but right, like right. Um, it it I could also see that fitting as kind of like the dystopian version yeah. of of you know the world well i mean they're both kind of dystopian really yeah but, yeah um blade runner has a little a, a little bit more going for it because uh robots have been taken up the world. <laughs> right right computers we still exist yeah uh, so anyways yeah i don't know i don't know how i feel about this i mean i i guess if it's not 
a direct continuation of that story, i.e. trying to bring Harrison Ford back and this and that. If it's not that, I'm cool with it. Like, why not allow a filmmaker to go back into the world that he created to tell a completely different story? Um, it could still deal with replicants and whatnot, but I, I think we don't need to see the Harrison Ford, Sean Young, you know. What if we do, though? I, it could be interesting. And, and honestly, I, do, I, I think that actually um, Harrison Ford – this is going to sound so stupid because he doesn't need anything. But he kind of needs this movie, you know, if, mm-hmm. if – not, not, not in the sense of like he has already put an amazing, amazing body of work on the screen. Mm-hmm. He's an icon. He's beyond an icon. But like – I feel like if he came back and did a kick-ass job on a Blade on a Blade Runner movie that nobody is expecting, yeah. it could be like another sort of feather in his already full cap of feathers. Sean Young would have to get out of celebrity rehab in order to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know about Sean Young. Like, I, I, I feel like she's kind of a tragic figure in Hollywood, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I don't, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with either thing, and I, f- I do feel like Ridley Scott is a capable, capable enough guy that he can pull off whatever he chooses to do. Right. Um, but I, I'm just curious more than anything. I'm just curious about this project. Well, uh, like Jim said yesterday, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing the the five films that come out of this. They're the five different versions uh, that come out of the sequel that Ridley will make because he's never happy, right? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Uh, um, really quick before we go. Uh, unfortunately, guys, we have to cut this one short because we're um, just running out of time today on um, Friday. But I do wanted to read some reader email real quick um, before we kind of wrap up with our box office uh, predictions. So first, uh, first email is from Eric Carlson, and this kind of ties into some news earlier in the week uh, about Lone Ranger. And he writes, uh, do you think, or he asks, do you think that Disney will actually cancel the Lone Ranger or simply delay it to find a way to lower the budget? I hope it still gets made. Sounds very interesting. He also says, welcome back and keep up the good work. Thank you, Eric Carlson. (laughs) I like your name. Um, Yeah, I think they will actually cancel it. Yeah, I do too. I don't think it's happening. I don't think they're going to be able to bring Johnny Depp back. Um, I think that was the thing that they were, you know, hoping for. And I think when projects like this start to deteriorate, then... Then they go away. Yeah, and and ultimately, again, it was uh, that. I mean, it's dollars and cents, right? It's a huge budget uh, that that got turned in for the production of this. Uh, you know, they're already dealing with the you know Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a huge, huge franchise for them. Costs a lot of money to make, and you know they're going to want to do another one of those. So or two or two. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think they they've got to cut where they can, and I think Lone Ranger plus Lone Ranger, you know. He's a popular character from from like the fifties and sixties, you know. And I mean, I remember as a kid, I was into him. But as a kid, he has not been anywhere within the kind of pop culture zeitgeist uh, of the past twenty, thirty years. Yeah. I would say yeah. so. And he's not based on a ride. I know that sounds ridiculous <laughs> to say, but there's no touchstone, right, for yeah. people to connect to. I, I I think if Disney really wanted to make this film, they could they could do it kind of like the backdoor way they could like start introducing like some lone ranger themes into the parks and start like kind of build maybe even build like the merchandising first and and kind of get him out there mm-hmm. like as a character because like you said i think it's really at point like you can't you can't 
reboot something that nobody wants rebooted. Right. Or that nobody even knows about. Right. Um, it just – it's very difficult. And Lone Ranger was very of the time. So you'd have to update them. I mean they did it with Zorro and Zorro was a success and the sequel was like a success-ish. Right. Um, but – I don't know. I don't. Uh, plus, I'm not excited for the movie, so I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to back it up. <laughs> um, all right, let's go over to uh, Warren Palowski. I hope I'm saying your name right, Warren. Um, and he writes, "I don't think you should write off a future Indiana Jones movie just but yet. We want to. <laughs> sure, Crystal Skull was awful, but was it Harrison Ford that you really hated? Personally, I thought he was the best part of the movie, which was ruined by horrible and unnecessary CG effects. Agreed." Uh, the live action parts, like the motorcycle, the motorcycle chase throughout Yale, harken back to the original series and played at my fam, fanboy heartstrings. So, if there were a more grounded, CG free ish film, think Last Crusade, which was mostly live action, hand built sets and props, wouldn't you want to see that? I know I would. I would want to see that, but it, the reality is they're not going to make that. So yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that I want to see what they're going to make. That I think that's what it boils down to for me. Um, and you know, I don't honestly know how um, uh, how Harrison Ford really feels about the last movie. Right. And I have a feeling that that factors in pretty heavily towards whether there's going to be another one. Personally, I don't want to see my grandfather getting beat up on the big screen, i.e. Harrison Ford, who's 100 <laughs> years old. And I don't want to see Shia playing Indiana Jones. So yeah. because of those two things, I don't think I want to see a new Indiana Jones movie. Fair you know what I would like enough. to see? An Indiana Jones animated series. Hmm. That I'd like to see. I Yeah. I, I don't know. I I kind of feel like Indiana Jones ends with Harrison Ford. And can't we just leave that alone? You know? Yeah. Like... Once he's done, like, let's just be done. I don't know. I could see Lucasfilm, or not Lucasfilm, Lucas Animation, doing a Clone Wars style uh, animated series. Yeah, it could be good for kids, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But 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 like Clone Wars, where I'm interested in it. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I like the Clone Wars, so I, yeah, I, I'd be interested in watching that, I guess. All right. Uh, last question is from uh, Lawrence Wang, who's writing from uh, Hawaii, actually. So he. Uh, he starts off by thanking us. Uh, um, for yeah, he doing says the some nice things about yeah, me. Let's yeah. just let's just. Read <laughs> Thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> um, my only so he says uh, uh, he's got two questions here. Uh, one: Do you have any '70s sci-fi that you would like to see as a feature film today? Mine would be Westworld and Space 1999. Yeah, freaking Westworld would be boss. Space 1999 would be yeah. awesome, too. Uh, I got to tell you, Lawrence, I had the spaceship from Space 1999 as a toy where I could put little, little action figures in it. To this day, I think about that thing. I don't have it anymore. I wish I did. It was so awesome. I feel the same way about Micronauts, but I don't have them anymore. <laughs> Micronauts. I loved Micronauts, yeah. dude. Yes, indeed. Uh, so let's talk about that for a second. And then the second question is, since 2012 is around the corner, what are your favorite apocalyptic movies? Oh, for me, um, well, I'll, I have to say, um, even though it's not really an apocalyptic movie, it's a movie that is about some a people's perception of the apocalypse. Um, Apocalyptica. Freaking loved it, that movie. Which one? Apoc- Apocalyptica. Oh, okay. I, I, th- yeah. I was thinking Apocalypto, which was just on TV. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and that's what I meant. That's what, oh, okay. okay. Why did I say Apocalyptica? <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. I'm making a Metallica word. I, I meant Apocalyptica. Yeah, I love that movie. That was just on uh, IFC. I sound night. like a, such a dumbass right now. Sorry, nah, guys. That's all right. Apocalypto. Anyway, right. Apocalypto. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, you're right. So that was more a perception of... Now I'm going to be calling it Apocalyptica. (laughs) So I apologize for all future podcasts where I make an ass of myself. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah. But it was more of a a people's perception. I think, um, uh, you know, of recent movies, that was a great one. And The Road was really good. Mm, Um, And also um, Road Warrior for me. Road Warrior. Yeah, I was You took my answer. I was going to say Road Warrior is my all-time favorite uh, apocalyptic movie. And then, yes, uh, you know, Westworld would be great. Space nineteen nine would be nineteen ninety nine would be cool, but I don't know if it's got the connection to people today. That yeah, it's able past nineteen ninety nine for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Logan's Run is a is a cool one that I'd like to see remade. I yeah, I I think Westworld would be cool. Um, other you know not Silent Running. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I you know they remade Omega Man, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, I didn't love that take on it. Um, yeah. With um, what was that movie called, actually? Uh, I Am Legend. I Am Legend. Yeah, with I Will always, Smith. Because it came out like right after or ish around uh, I, I, I Robot, I'm yeah. always like, I want to call it I Robot, which had like <laughs> I Zombie or something like that. Yeah. Because of those yeah. creatures. But um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. There done. you go. Done. There you have it, Lawrence. <laughs> All right. So let's quickly talk about what's coming out in theaters this week. We've got a, a mishmash of films. We've got um, One Day, which is Anne Hathaway, Jim Sturgis. Uh, we've got some smaller movies, uh, Five Days of War, Griff the Invisible. Those are smaller indie, Brighton Rock. But then the big biggies are Spy Kids 4, All the Time in the World, Conan the Barbarian, and Fright Night. Yeah, Conan um, and Fright Night, you know. Um, I, th- I think um, it's tough. I-, I can't tell what the buzz is on Fright Night. And uh, Conan is rated R. And in 3D. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of weird factors playing against each other. But here's how I think it's going to play out. I think the help is going to hold strong on word of mouth at the top spot with $22 million, which is a pretty good hold. I think um, right behind it is going to be um, Fright Night with about $21 million. And then I think uh, Conan is going to make about $19 million. Hmm. Okay. You know, I, Conan. If if it's gotten out there and people are really stoked about it, could be like the surprise that like comes in and like actually cleans house this weekend. Mm. But um, that's how I got it. Do we know how many theaters Spy Kids is opening up in? Oh, Spy Kids! I totally forgot about that. Because I'm gonna say I think Spy Kids at number one. But if I don't know, it's it's Weinstein, right? And they don't tend to go open too huge. Well, it is a kids movie. All right, I'm gonna say Spy Kids at number one at 28 million. And then I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Conan and number two at 22 million and Fright Night at number three at, uh, a 19 million. Interesting. So the help not even in the mix. Not in the top. And you got Spy Three. Kids, and I don't have Spy Kids. I'm gonna put. You know what? I'm gonna. I think Spy Kids is 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 gonna do okay, but I, I don't think it performed really that great the last time it came out. Um, so I think I'm actually gonna stick to my guns and say the top three are what the top three is. Okay. And I'm very happy being completely wrong as I was last week. <laughs> well, there you heard it here. Chris Carl is completely happy being wrong. Megatron. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, feel free to uh, send us any email or, or comments or thoughts at keepingitreal at IGN.com um, or in the comments below if you're listening via uh, IGN or if you're on iTunes, be sure to go over and 
give us a rating there so that we can move up in the rankings. All right, guys, we'll come at you next week. Thanks.